listening to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Hope everybody's had a great week since the last time we dropped an episode. Once again, you're joined by your host, Bob and Dan. Dan, what's going on, my friend? What up, Bob? What up? How's it going, dude? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, I'm excited to talk some Dynasty uh, Fantasy Football today with you, Bob. Yes. I also have a... Uh, have a chance to uh, talk to maybe somebody who's had a little bit more experience and a lot more success than we've had so far. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man, I'm excited to talk Dynasty. Um, As you guys know, uh, since the first episode, Dan and I split a Dynasty fantasy football team that we inherited last year. And we actually have our draft upcoming this following Saturday. So we thought it'd be a great time to go ahead and talk some Dynasty football since it's a little different than most of your redraft leagues. Talk about our background and insight and what we did to prepare for this league and take over a team really out of nowhere. So we're looking very excited uh, to talk about some Dynasty uh, leagues with you guys here today. Let's be honest, we're going to be talking about this all week anyways, so this is just like a nice little introduction to our ongoing discussion, which will probably take place right eh, until I see you on uh, the weekend here, Bob. Yeah, right on. And actually, it was happening right at the end of our last episode where we did our mock draft. Dan and I had a developing uh, offer on the Dynasty League that we're going to go into as well, get your feedback. And that's actually going to be something that's going to tie into our poll question this week that we're going to have on Twitter. So I'm looking forward to discussing all ends of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I think since we've started doing the Dynasty League format together, uh, my favorite thing, or at least one of my favorite things, other than being able to kind of work a team with you, uh, has been the year-round trading. I, I love that. I love it. I mean, you and I are both big into trading. We love that aspect of fantasy and the fact that you can do it in the middle of July is awesome. And then, I mean, you can do it all the way from January to February. It's uh, there's it, the league never stops, uh, and I love that about a dynasty league. Yes, I think that's why we're excited to talk about it. So um, let's go ahead and just do our recap, Dan, and then we'll get right into the the discussion since we have uh, our first guest ever on the Not Takes Fantasy Football podcast waiting in the Number one. So, Dan, last week we did a half-point PPR mock draft, basically mirroring what uh, settings we use for our official league that we uh, outlined in our first couple of episodes. And... The poll was, just finish up recording episode three where we did a half-point PPR mock draft. What we want to know is who drafted the better team. Please provide any insights on why a certain team may be better than the other. And I posted a picture of our team, and you know we're still getting used to everything here. So Twitter, you know, we'll get better with posting pictures and polls together. I think there was a little confusion on how it showed up in Twitter, but I, I'm really happy with uh, everybody that participated. And I even put it on Instagram, too. Um, so we're going to start matching what we do in Twitter uh, on Instagram as far as polls so we get as much feedback as possible. So it was real simple. Who drafted the better team, Dan or myself, Bob? And... Dan, I hate to say, <laughs> I got 80% of the vote here. And let me go over some of the um, reasoning behind that, and then we'll get some feedback before we go ahead and go into um, you know, our Dynasty discussion here. So some of the discussion that I got was 
it was very slight. So there was not very much difference. They just thought I had more upside on my team. And sure. um, you know, one of the feedback was Dan's team is very top heavy with high end talent. They just feel like uh, some of the depth that maybe I added with young running backs really pulled it through. And we had one gentleman, I, I want to shout him out because uh, we went back and forth on Twitter and it was all great. So that means he's participating, he's listening. So we really appreciate it. And I'm going to. Sp- be so sorry if I mess up this name here, so bear with me. I think it's called Kawi Makiamoto. Um, he said, just listen to episode three. How are you guys high on Derrick Henry? Guy's points came from garbage time. Um, and, and I went back and forth with him a little bit and basically stayed. I didn't think it was all garbage time at all. He showed in the wildcard playoff game. When he gets work, he's going to wear teams down. Now, having Lewis there could hurt the sure. pass-catching opportunities, but he's a threat for double-digit touchdowns. And Lewis is not the most healthy uh, running back I've ever seen. So Absolutely. And he's also – I don't feel like he's going to be a goal-line guy. I think Derrick Henry is the big bruising back, so you're going to get a lot more goal-line carries out of him, which is going to lead ultimately to what we're looking for is touchdowns. Yeah, and I agree. And I think there might have been some confusion maybe because he said he just needed to see more consistency before I go in on him as my RB1. And I made sure to correct it. You know, Dan did take Dalvin Cook as his healthy RB1. So if he's healthy. And <laughs> he's healthy. Put, yeah. Coming off a ACL injury. Yeah, that's my healthy RB1. But yeah, I mean, I think one of the coolest things about us doing this, and I mean, obviously we were new to it, is just having random people who we've never met before uh, just kind of joining us in our fantasy discussion. I, I think that is one of the coolest things ever. So shout out to that guy for giving us a shot and giving us a chance. And uh, calling us on something maybe he doesn't agree with, which, you know what, I'm, I'm happy to debate. I'm happy to talk about it. That's what makes fantasy fun, so keep it coming. Yeah, man, and that's that's what we're going to keep doing. We want to try and get as much interaction on our social media as possible. Um, and, hey, shout out to Brad. Um, I know you listen, and I know you've been participating on both Twitter and Instagram, so I really appreciate it. Keep it up, man, and we'll see you at draft time as well. So, Thanks, Brad. <laughs> so, yeah, that, like I said, really wanted to wrap it up. Didn't want to get into too much news i really want to get into dynasty so that way we have time to really dedicate to um you know our interview with craig um our buddy that has been in the dynasty league longer than us so dan if you're ready let's go ahead and talk dynasty can i talk one more thing about the pool though sure yeah go ahead bring it up man uh i get why everyone thought that the upside stuff is going to kind of push you in the right direction but you know in, in the same vein of thought that people are thinking well why are you into derrick henry because he hasn't really done much i would say you know okay well you've drafted all these quality running backs i get the upside but they haven't done anything i mean there's a chance that they don't even get the feet get on the field oh uh, you know they'll touch the ball here and there but you really need one of those guys to bust out and i agree that uh, you know the potential of your team is probably much better than mine because I went some, with some more uh, classic, maybe some older veteran guys and stuff. But uh, you know, the more I looked at the team, the happier I was with it. But I think that's one of the things that's the best, that's interesting about fantasy is you usually don't like your team right away. Right away, you're like, oh, I wish I would have got this, or I wish. But then it grows on you, and then it's because it's your team. So uh, I don't know. I'm fine with that, but I would respectfully disagree with the 80% of people who thought your team was better. <laughs> Appreciate that, Dan. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the my, people have spoken, Bob. I can't control that, but the Twitter universe is, has sealed it the is deal. What it is. That's it, right. Exactly. So once again, big shout out to everybody that participated. We look forward to keep interacting with you guys. Love the back and forth. But Dan, let's go ahead and discuss some dynasty. Dynasty. 
Dynasty Discussion. All right, so let's get into our Dynasty League. So we inherited a team last year um, through the CBS Fantasy Football uh, League that we're in. And I do have to say one thing. I'm a longtime ESPN Fantasy Football player, and I like a lot of what they do. But for Dynasty, I think CBS is great because, like you'd mentioned earlier in the intro, the ability to customize, make trades, and maintain your league year-round, uh, i got to give it to CBS. I really like what they're doing on their end with Dynasty Steady. I, I agree with you 100. Uh, I mean, the other thing about the CBS to do a dynasty league, it'll cost you and your uh, other league members a little bit of money, but they're going to maintain everything for you. You're you're going to remain active throughout the year. You're always going to have access to your team, always be able to trade, and uh, you know that's a lot of fun, especially when the draft comes around or uh, when free agency starts hitting and things and things like that, because. Uh, your team's always able to be traded. You're always able to refine what you've got, uh, and CBS really lets you kind of take care of that year-round. Yeah, kudos to them. I know I listen to their podcast. Shout out to CBS and, and their fantasy football podcast. They even took a chance and put us on one of their um, weekly um newsletters that they do um, when we asked about a trade that we're going to discuss here in a little bit. So really love what they do uh, on their end. So Dan, let me go ahead and just give a brief overview of the scoring system, uh, what kind of league we play in, and then we're going to go right into our team. Does that sound fair? Sounds good. All right, so as far as the scoring system's concerned, uh, it's very typical to a lot of leagues that you play. One thing I do want to call out, though, on the quarterbacks is it's a four points per passing touchdown uh, league. Uh, some of you may be familiar with more of the six-point uh, traditional touchdown league. Um, I think that gives us a real advantage when we talk about the quarterback, who's our starting quarterback, because that's where I think rushing quarterbacks come into play yep. more yep. because they're not so rely- reliant on uh, passing touchdowns. Sure. Sure, and, and those two points are, I mean, they can be big. I mean, it's a game of inches, and even with fantasy, it's maybe a game of a couple points here and there. But uh, So I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, the, the more classic pocket-passing quarterbacks, the guys who aren't going to rush the ball very often, uh, you know, maybe are a little bit more of a, at a disadvantage in this format because you're not going to be able to score as many points um, unless they're going to go off, which potentially they can. Uh, so uh, I just I like the I like the more kind of Deshaun Watson, Russell 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 Wilson type quarterbacks for kind of this format just because you get the advantage of uh, the rushing attack. Exactly, um, and, and we'll definitely get into that as well. So. Um, as far as passing yards, there are bonuses at 300, 400, 500. So I, I like the the bonus potential. Um, so if you do have a dual threat that really can light it up uh, through the air as well, there's potential for big points on their end. Um, as far as receiving, six points for receiving touchdowns. Once again, you get bonuses at 100, 150, 200, half point per reception. So I think Dan and I have reiterated. I know we did a poll on it a few weeks back. I think that's the sweet spot. I love half point reception leagues. I think think it's my favorite i agree and uh i mean i don't think that's any kind of uh you know discovery here i think both of us are half point fans and uh, i just i agree it's a sweet spot it's right there right where you want to be bob yep 
Um, now let's go to the rushing real quick. Um, as far as the rushing is concerned, once again, bonuses at 100, 150, and 200, six points for rushing, rushing touchdowns. So once again, I mean, it's pretty cut and clear. I, I really like where the league settings are. It's a little different from most leagues we play, speaking to the quarterbacks um, scoring. So I think it just gives us more experience in different league settings that we could share with everybody um, you know, as we go along in this podcast and its history uh, moving forward. Um, so Dan, let me go over the uh, roster real quick and just how that works. So you have one starting quarterback, you have two starting running backs, three starting wide receivers, a starting tight end, a flex where it could be running back, wide receiver, tight end, a defense, and then you have... 12 reserves um, that you can swap in and out. And then we've got what they call a taxi or a practice squad, uh, where I believe we can hold up to five for two years. So, for instance, if we draft a rookie this year, we can keep him on that practice squad for up to two years. By that time, then, we have to decide do we cut him or move him to our bench Also, something to call out is if you do put a rookie onto even just the bench, that player cannot go back to the practice squad. So you have to be very careful with who you move up into that bench or possible starting lineup for long-term effect. You really have to kind of say, uh, you know, even if this guy has had like a nice game, a nice game here or there, do I want to take him off that practice squad and use and lose that roster spot on my active roster uh, to move him up there? Are you going to want to wait and see? The other thing I like about this format is that you have that practice squad. So you can kind of reach for potential players that you kind of have maybe a soft spot for or somebody that you think, hey, I I like what this guy did at the combine. I like what this guy, I'm seeing some hype about him, but maybe he still has a stud in front of him. Uh, So it's going to be maybe a year or two to see whether this guy the stud stays, the stud gets hurt or something like that. So you can kind of reach a little bit uh, to some and grab some pe- people who maybe are traditionally aren't some good thing, aren't someone that you would see drafted within a fantasy, classic fantasy format. Yeah, and I think we really took advantage of that last year, especially after the draft. I almost think we did as well after the draft that we did in the draft, to be honest, because I like who we have sitting in our practice squad. And two of those players we picked up off waivers. Uh, it just, I, I think we did a great job of sort of taking a risk and seeing that there's possibility out there for them to grow in two years and see where it really goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Dan, let's uh, go ahead and talk about our team that we inherited. And in the show notes, I just put AKA the hot garbage because <laughs> <laughs> we were handed a pretty ugly looking team when we started. Now, the caveat to that, and I'm going to ask Dan to go through some of the highlights and lowlights of our team is the gentleman that owned the team before we took over really set us up well with a lot of early draft picks so in the in yeah in the year that we took the team over we had two picks in the first round and then we had multiple a couple other picks throughout the draft so it really was a I think it was the best piece of hot garbage to take over at the time because you could, uh, you had the potential to grab some pretty quality young players in that first round of the draft. Uh, so, and that's the other the cool thing about the dynasty format that I like is that, uh, 
and, and I think at some point we thought potentially about incorporating this into the league that you and I usually play is that you also have an interesting commodity, which is draft picks. You also can p- trade those picks and package those picks with players to get maybe one of those more elite level players to try to sneak one of those people away who maybe eh, eh, they might have lost a step or two in this person's opinion. But at the same time, you really love that player. So you can dangle those draft picks in front of uh, your potential trade partner to try to get something done. Yeah, and we're going to get into it in a little bit, but um, a lot of people this offseason were attacking us for some draft equity that um, we turned around and, and built a team that I think can win this year. So, Dan, let me go over some of the highlights of the team that we, we inherited, and it's going to be very short. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you could talk about basically one person. Now two. There's two. Yeah, so the team that we inherited, the only highlights that we had were Russell Wilson at quarterback, we had Derrick Henry sitting on our bench, and we had Tyreek Hill as our wide receiver. Outside of that, we were stuck with the possibility before the draft of trying to figure out, can Adrian Peterson still go? And we saw he didn't really have any more than two good games. Nope. And we were looking at a starting wide wide receiver core of Tyreek Hill. Oh, God. Jeremy Macklin. Yep. And Pierre Garçon, who I like this year. But, I mean, that's the core that we inherited. And then we had Rashard Matthews, who you know I think is a Greg value. But that was really it. I mean, that's the team <laughs> yeah. we had. Yeah. And the other thing is is that uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know the draft history of this guy. Uh, and we didn't know any of his trade history either. But he had got what two picks in the first round for the the year that we took it over uh did you ever figure out who he traded to get those picks i I never figured that out i couldn't see who it was no i didn't dan i think you might actually be underestimating i think we had four first round picks i think we had two early two late and then two right at the beginning of the second Hmm. because okay so here's here's where it gets interesting i believe we had the third and fifth, and then I think we had the eighth and tenth. And let me go over who we drafted. So this guy set us up with some good equity to go after what I think we really needed early, and we did some trades later, was we went after running backs. Because if you remember, this was the class that had Joe Mixon, uh, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and as we saw later in the year, which is where preparation comes key, is Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara. So, I mean, there was a lot of talent running back-wise. So we figured, I mean, we were thin really everywhere except quarterback. We decided to attack the running back. So with our first ever fantasy um, dynasty draft pick, we selected Christian McCaffrey, um, who fell to us at, I believe it was number three, and then we followed that up two picks later with Joe Mixon. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that we went, if I remember correctly, went running back early uh, was because of how kind of little playing time they have in the length of their career. So if you have an opportunity to get somebody who could potentially be a number one type caliber running back uh, for the next four or five years, uh, like <laughs> Kamara or Hunt, uh, who who we, we had not, I guess, even thought of. They were kind of an afterthought for at least myself. 
uh, that is kind of what you're looking for. You're trying to hit on one of those big time running backs who's just going to kind of lead your stable for the next couple, four to five years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was happy when we got McCafferty. I think he's a PPR machine at the half point. That's going to come into handy. Uh, that's a good offense uh, in Carolina. And I think he's with uh, Jonathan Stewart gone this year. And I know that CJ Anderson is there, which we were lucky enough to have on our roster already. Uh, kind of just randomly. Uh, I, I really think that McCafferty can make some noise this year. I like him in year two. And uh, I was okay with Mixon. I, you were a little bit uh, higher on him than I I was. But uh, he, had a, he had an okay year. Uh, they're looking for him to have a big year this year, though. Yeah, we're going to discuss what we did with Joe Mixon here. Um, preview, he's not on our team anymore. And, um, <laughs> I think we did a good job attacking the wide receiver core um, with some of what we did in last year's draft. So let me go over sure. the last two uh, picks that we did, Dan, in the first round. I'll go over the uh, second round pick that I really like that we kept on our team. And real quick, go over the people that we picked up on waivers and then get your overall thoughts on all those, okay? Yeah. Um, so later in the first round, I know we took Mike Williams from the Chargers, um, mm-hmm. and we also took Samaj P. Ryan, um, who went to Washington. Um, early second round, we took Jamal Williams from the Green Bay Packers, and after the news of Aaron Jones getting suspended, I really like having him on our bench this year. Yeah, no kidding, right? Like That was kind of lucky for us that... Uh, that kind of shook out like it did. But I, for what I've been reading and what I've been seeing about Jamal Williams, I think people expect him to be the starter, but they have higher expectations in terms of potential for Aaron Jones. Um, but I think now that Jamal Williams will kind of have a stranglehold on that position, he'll be the number one guy. If he can do what he did last year uh, at times, and he has a much better quarterback, uh, so they've got to be a lot more concerned about the path the pass than they did when Hundley was the QB there. I, I really think he can make some noise. I mean, the, the seeing what the schedule is, he has a rough first two games uh, because they've got some pretty stout defenses, but if he can do well, show that he can be reliable and protect Aaron Rodgers, that's the other thing. He's got to be good in pass protection. Um, I think that's a one of those weird picks that kind of fell to us and kind of now is in the, a great situation to just exceed expectations. Yeah, to Dan's point, Jamal Williams, it looks like they have the uh, the Bears on September 9th and the Vikings on September 16th. So some tough defenses there, um, but I think it's going to be him leading the rushing attack with Ty Montgomery getting tossed in as more of the pass catching. But, um, you know, Jamal Williams is really good in pass blocking, so I think they're going to keep an eye on that too if Aaron Jones has not improved I think this could be Jamal Williams turn so I really like we actually had him on our uh, quote unquote practice squad and mm-hmm. moved him up later in the season when we talk about how our year went we actually made a nice playoff push at the end so we oh, yeah. act, we activated him and he paid dividends for us at the end of the season there definitely um, and then just real quick uh, the rest of the draft we had a few more picks nothing substantial but I like what we did after the draft and then I'm going to go back to Ryan and Mike Williams and talk about what we did with them. This is where we took some chances and, and whiffed so far, but we're holding out hope on the future. 
whiffed. <laughs> you that's fair to say whiffed so far, but whiffed. Yep. Yep. So as as we told you, we really only had Russell Wilson as our quarterback, and that's a great issue to have. But after the draft, we noticed that uh, there was a rookie quarterback that was not drafted, and so on the waivers after the fact, we put him right on our practice squad, and really like how the team turned around this year, at least in the offseason. Mitchell True Bisky. <laughs> True Blue Bisky. Yeah, he is. I mean, I I was I've never been a Chicago Bears fan, but now that we've got True Blue on the team, you know, I'll I'll pay attention to kind of what's going on out there and they were so active in free agency and you could tell uh, that they were trying to give this guy a bunch of weapons so he could move the ball down the field and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, uh, you know, he's kind of our heir apparent, I think, Bob, uh, to to lead our kind of team through the QB position. But if he has a couple monster games, uh, if we've got kind of a matchup issue with Russell, I don't really see us ever saying it. Well, Russell, you're going to take a backseat to Mitchell. Um, but I think that if there is some potential matchup uh, that looks really good for Trubinsky and he shows he can – uh, improve, shows that he has improved that I feel bad about playing him because I, I like the rushing attack there, obviously, and I also like the uh, receivers they brought in to kind of give him some talent through the air. Yeah, and they addressed the tight end position with Trey Burton. So, I mean, he... Trey they, Burton. There's one right. th- if there's one thing they did, they gave the guy weapons. So if he starts producing, it's going to be see you later, Andy Dalton, who's our backup quarterback right now. So Yep. Um, uh, well, I mean, uh, I don't... Well, we'll talk about that whenever we talk about our moves. Yeah, exactly. And so one last reserve that I want to call out that we picked up, and this is where doing your research and staying on top of your resources. Later in the off se- or I'm sorry, the preseason last year, there was word coming out of San Francisco that it wasn't Joe Williams that was going to be the backup to Carlos Hyde. It was going to be Matt Breda. And I spoke with Dan. I said, Dan, we've got the room. Why don't we just put this guy on the bench and just see where it goes on our practice squad? And he showed some flashes later in the year now. And with Shanahan as their uh, head coach, we saw in Atlanta, he was able to support Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. So if he can hold on to that second job, might be a nice guy that we could just put in a flex every once in a while, maybe next year. We can leave him on the practice squad one more year, see how it goes. But I like that we have a young running back on our team that we could lean on if needed. And the other thing is, Bob, is that I know that there is so much hype coming out of Jerry coming out about Jarek McKinnon. Everyone is is really excited that he's there. He's perfect for the system. He's perfect for this type of offense. He finally gives Jimmy G the uh, running back that he needs. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, he got a lot of, he got a pretty decent amount of playing time in uh, Minnesota last year. Uh, I know Latavius Murray was there and he was kind of the change of pace back when uh, Dalvin went down. But I wouldn't say that he's a proven starter at this point. So if there's any kind of stutter by McKinnon there, uh, the guy that we've got sitting here on our practice squad might have a lot more chances to kind of show that he can be the man in San Francisco. Uh, And he's been in that system longer. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe he could jump him potentially if even if McKinnon goes down with injury, which hopefully doesn't happen. Hopefully he comes out and lives up to the hype. Um, But at the same time, hey, that's one of the upsides we have about this guy who we randomly found uh, sitting on the waiver wire. 
Right on. So uh, let's go over the two players I said we picked at the end of our first round, um, talk about what we did with them, and then get into sort of how our season went uh, overall last year with our first year in Dynasty. Um, so Mike Williams, um, Dan, I know you really liked him uh, when yep. we were at the draft. I had some concerns with the back injury. Uh, that just scared me off. But, you know, at that point, we felt like he was the best player available. But um, to me, he was a, a trading piece that we packaged with a second round pick this year. And we took a swing for the fences approach on Martavis Bryant. We just felt like <laughs> what we saw in previous years, he was going to come back and take over that number two role. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. But, I, I, man, we got to hope he stays out of trouble. Um, I, I still don't see Mike Williams as a, as a long-term fantasy producer. I don't know if that back injury is going to be a one-time thing or going to flare up. But, I mean, we definitely took a chance, and it didn't pay off for us to try and strengthen our weak wide receiver core at that time. See, but the thing is, is that I, I liked Mike Williams because I just like having receivers in a pass-heavy offense, and they didn't really have somebody there, uh, in my opinion, who was going to be a better uh, or a bigger threat than Mike Williams could be, uh, barring the injury. But uh, you warned me right at the time. You're like, dude, I don't even know if he's going to play this year because of this injury. And uh, you were right. So... Uh, but you know what the thing is is that that's the other thing about dynasty is that there's a lot of people who think more about potential than they do about what can this guy do for me right now because you can just stash him on practice squad uh, so you know I was fine with the Martavis Bryant pick because I felt like we could get some activity from him right now uh, we expected him to be what Juju Smith Schuster was uh, this past season uh, and you know what? I hope that he can do that for us this year when he goes to Oakland. While well, he's in Oakland, yeah. If he can stay out of trouble, I mean, we're taking a long-term approach with him. I know it's not smart because he could get in trouble at the drop of a dime. But we just saw so much big play potential watching him in Pittsburgh that it was to us worth it to swing for the fences for him and try and get some proven commodities on our team because we needed help immediately. No, I agree. And then uh, last one I want to talk about from the draft, Samaje P. Ryan. Uh, we, flipped, <laughs> we flipped him for Terrell Pryor, and, and to me, it's a trade. Uh, you know, neither player did anything. We saw Pryor produce in Cleveland. Can he get it right with the Jets? Who knows? But like we said, we needed to get some wide receiver help, and we we tried to go with players that has produced in the past, and it didn't work in year one. We hold out hope for year two. Yeah, I, I thought. I think both of us thought that his he was going to go to Washington and kind of be that. Finally, I'm going to be the number one receiver because I'm the most most athletic guy on the field. I can go up and I can grab those jump balls and stuff like that. And he did not really pan out that way. Uh, his injuries kind of, I think, really s- kind of stopped him from being able to go down the field and show how athletic he is. I mean, I can remember, we, we grew up in Pennsylvania. I can remember Terrell Pryor scoring uh, in a uh, state football game in every way possible. Uh, rushing, receiving, throwing, interception return, kickoff, and punt return. I mean, this guy has got an exceptional amount of athletic ability. So I, I still think he can be a good receiver at this level. I think he'll have a shot at the Vikings. I mean, sorry, at the Jets. Uh, they've got Robbie Anderson there who showed last year he could be a number one type guy. But I think there's room for Terrell Pryor on that team. Uh, and after seeing the way that Pirine's year went and now how the uh, Redskins drafted, 
I'm totally fine saying, well, we'll see what happens with Terrell Pryor. Maybe we can get a big game out of him here or there, as opposed to kind of having to sit there and say, okay, well, hopefully P. Run doesn't get jumped by the rookie uh, and actually can do something. But he didn't really show very much last year when he had a, a really great opportunity to kind of stand out in front of everybody else. Yeah, so we basically said, see ya, P. Ryan. <laughs> see ya, P. Ryan. Uh, and then one last move I want to talk about before we go over how the season went. We did have Jay Ajayi on our team. Um, we leveraged him and made a trade to get Brandon Cooks, who had just won to New England in that offseason. To us, it was a smart move. As we saw, Ajayi didn't pan out. Cooks produced. Uh, I think we were happy with him because it gave us a nice compliment to Tyreek Hill. And later in the season, when we made our playoff push, those two were leading the way uh, oh, yeah. with Russell Wilson and Jimmy Graham to push our team into the playoffs. So I was very happy oh, yeah. with that trade. Me too. Me too. Uh- and I don't think he's getting as much love as he should be getting uh, right now because people are kind of expecting uh, it to be business as usual out there in L.A. with Cooks kind of being kind of an afterthought in my opinion. But uh, I, I don't know. I, he, he is still a very young wide receiver. He has a lot of talent. He likes to go down the field. Uh, and if that team is going to be as di- often as dynamic offensively as we think they can be, uh, you got to have that big pay- big play threat. Sammy Watkins wasn't doing that for them. They went younger. They went more athletic. They went quicker with Brandon Cooks, and I I feel like he's he's going to have a nice year in LA. I, I I'm thrilled with having him at this point in my opinion be our number three wide receiver on this team. Yeah, Dan, you can't argue with it. The past three years, two with New Orleans and one with New England. Now you're talking about all-time great quarterbacks. Don't don't get us wrong. Sure. But, but he's been over 1,000 yards and over seven touchdowns. Give us anywhere around that. And when you see our team this year going into the draft, we will be so happy with that production. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think after we talk about our other moves, seeing that – well, I mean, let's just be honest. He's our number three receiver right now. If we get that out of our number three guy – I'm happy with that. I'm thrilled with that. Yeah. And so let's talk about how the season went for us, Dan. And early on, it was not good. Um, I remember even stressing some concern <laughs> with you like, dude, this might be a lost year. I, I, I wasn't sure if we did the right move. So let me go over what happened. So we started off the season one and five. So at that point, you can either make a decision. We're going to write off this year. Maybe we try and get draft picks. Or we wait it out and see how it went. And I'm glad we did that because the team, the second half of the year, caught Caught absolute fire. fire. Yep, caught fire. We won seven in a row to end the season, made a playoff push with a team that when we first inherited it, I thought it was going to be like a three-year rebuild. So (laughs) for us to catch fire, and it was really driven by Russell Wilson to Jimmy Graham in Seattle. It was driven by Brandon Cooks and Tyreek Hill going off and Christian McCaffrey showing why we invested an early pick on him. Those Mm -hmm. five players alone carried our team all the way to the playoffs. I mean, it was one of those things where at the beginning of the season we're like, why did we agree to do this? Oh my gosh, this is awful. Oh man, we're going to walk it. We have already been kind of like, I'm not thrilled with what we've done. Uh, do we start just kind of selling off players? But the thing is, is that we really didn't have that many players to sell off either. So we were kind of like in the lull. Uh, but you were right. I mean, in that second half of the season, 
uh, thanks to, in my opinion, mainly Russell, Russell, Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just kind of going off, uh, especially in that so the Houston Texans game when him and Deshaun. He and Deshaun Watson were just going at each other. It was like someone was sitting there playing a game of Madden. And I was like, this is this is a great football game to watch. And it is just murdering the our opponent in Dynasty Fantasy. And I loved it. Yeah, but, I mean, they yeah, both were exciting. going nuclear that game. I mean, seriously, it was I, I think it was Russell had over 404 and Deshaun had right under 405 maybe but yeah i mean it was just insane and i and i don't think anybody in that league expected us to even come close to hitting a playoff spot i think they thought we were kind of out of it we were we were like brandon cooks an afterthought yeah maybe they could do something maybe they could make some noise but no i think we kind of we showed them that uh we kind of know what we're doing. We've got some potential here. And uh, I think what we've done in this offseason uh, maybe can push us into the next level uh, of maybe competing for that championship. Yeah. So, I mean, we ended up getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, we finished fifth overall out of 10. And for our first year, with how we outlined what team we inherited, Dan, I was very pleased. And it gave us an insight to we've got some young players that showed that they can produce. Now, what do we do in this offseason what were your thoughts on on the season i was very happy with it uh i was excited to kind of see i was honestly trying i was excited to see what we could maybe flip one of those young backs for because uh i mean there was one team there's one team specifically that had uh like the top five uh wide receivers (laughs) on on one team and it's like you can't play all those guys at once uh, so I was hoping we could get one of those and not have to give up too much. Uh, I was disappointed that our kind of reach picks didn't even hit even remotely, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised, and I didn't feel like we were going in that playoff game just to lose. I felt like we had a chance to win. So, uh, you know, I was happy with the season, and it made me excited to keep going with it. Yeah, I agree, man. So it's a good segue. So let's talk about what we did this year. So after our run last year, we felt like we had possibly the elite quarterback. We felt like we had two young receivers, and we felt like we had a good amount of young running backs. you got to remember, we left the season last year with Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Jamal Williams, and Derrick Henry. So we felt like we had the youth there, but we were still missing another alpha since we have three wide receiver spots to really put in there. And we were getting pestered a lot. I remember I was traveling, I believe on my cruise. I was coming back. We were talking back and forth. (laughs) And... Robbie, you were hitting us up with some insane trades, my friend. If you're listening, um, I just love I I love the trade offers that he shoots out. Oh oh, oh I love them. And, and Rob, we we love you, buddy, because we know you listen because you threw us uh, some funny trade offers uh, uh, pertaining to our Greg Value Show. So we appreciate sure. the support, man. It, we we yeah, thought it was, was great. great. Um, but Dan, do you want to go over the trade that we went back and forth? I'd say over a week for and made a move that I think instantly solidified us as serious contenders the obvious most valuable pieces of our team were those two young running backs and i don't know if you remember this bob but the uh, gentleman who we actually completed this trade with was such a huge fan of the guy that he got 
uh, that doesn't surprise me now when I think back about it that it worked out this way uh, because he couldn't stay, stop saying anything about any. He couldn't stop talking about Joe Mixon. He loved Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Joe, what do you want for Joe Mixon? And the thing is, is that uh, I think you and I are very shrewd when it comes to trading. Like we're not going to reach too much. Okay, if we see some potential there, we'll do it. But it has to make sense for both of us. And I think that's where kind of managing the team together uh, is helpful. Uh, but what we did was is that we wanted to go out there and get one of those elite number ones. We wanted a big time receiver who uh, it was unquestioned that he was the number one guy on the team. Uh, people were going to him in crunch time. He was putting up big numbers. And uh, I definitely think we got that guy. So what we ended up doing was flipping Joe Mixon straight up for A.J. Green. Yeah, man. And I know he wanted some draft pick equity earlier, but to me, it's it's a fair trade. And this is where Dynasty comes into play. One's going to look at A.J. Green and think he could be on the back end of his career, maybe doesn't have much time left. But we'll look at Joe Mixon and say, wow, he's young. He was an early draft pick. Top three in this draft that, that we did last year. He's going to produce. And while he very well could, running backs have shorter shelf lives than elite wide receivers. And I think we were able to leverage the fact that even in a quote-unquote down year, A.J. Green can produce. So to get him for Joe Mixon and put him as our true one with Tyreek Hill as a back-end number one and shift Brandon Cooks down to our wide receiver three, that's a pretty lethal and still somewhat young wide receiver core that we were able to put into effect. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was I was very happy that we were able to swing that. The other thing about Joe Mixon, he does have a, a lot of upside this year. He's the clear-cut number one running back now in that uh, Cincinnati offense, which has shown that it can be pretty dynamic. They can make big plays. Uh, but I think that the main playmaker on that team uh, is obviously A.J. Green, uh, which makes me uh, come back to a point that I was going to hit on earlier is jettisoning 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 I can't say that word getting rid of <laughs> Andy Dalton <laughs> uh, I think I know that you and I both like to do this as stack players so you can get double points on big plays uh, so now that we have AJ Green it, it actually makes uh, Dalton a little bit more valuable to me uh, in terms of this particular team yeah hey Cleveland Browns we're looking at you when you guys play the uh, Cincinnati Bengals because I'm sure AJ will tear that team up <laughs> twice fingers a year crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed uh, so yeah so I, I know we really like that trade but then we had some concern and we went into the draft this year with the number six overall pick in the draft so we knew going in we could replace Joe Mixon with a young running back so we had that yep. plan going into effect the whole time and you know, we felt we sacrificed a little bit on the running back side. So we were going to go into the season with Christian McCaffrey and um, Derrick Henry as our starting running backs. And just to give some insight, we have Marshawn Lynch, who I still like for one more year, Jamal Williams. And, and really, that was it on our running back core. So yep. we were probably going to be stuck with flexing a wide receiver, which in this league setting I'm fine with. But felt like, boy, uh, you know, we did the right move, but we need to really replenish our running backs. And yep. right at the end of our episode last week, I know we got off the, the chat and I instantly messaged you and said, dude, did you see that trade? <laughs> yeah, that was one of that's also one of those things that both of us like about uh, Dynasty. The league is always active. And as soon as we kind of signed off and said our goodbyes last week, uh, it was right back to the drawing board of whether we want to make this move or not. 
uh, and I think this kind of plays into what our pool is, is uh, so it was an offer for our first round pick, which would have been the, the number six pick. Am I right, Bob? Number, number six, six overall. Yes, that's correct. Number so six you're, overall, you're guaranteed overall. one of the top six running backs, which in some sure. form or fashion, they're going in the first six picks more than likely. Right, right. Uh, straight up for LaShawn McCoy and, and Dan, Buffalo Bills. Dan, let me stop you right there because I know what people that listen are going to say. I thought you guys were scared and he could be a bust and you're concerned <laughs> yeah, with right. him. Hear us out on this one. When this offer came through, if he can give us one to two more years of elite running back play, which, I mean, he showed pretty much his entire career, that now puts us at having an elite number one possibly for one more year, two more, and Christian McCaffrey with Derrick Henry as a flex or we flex out to a wide receiver. So, Dan, I know immediately we said, let's do it. Let's go for this thing next year and try and win this whole championship. Yeah, and I I liked it right away, and I can understand the criticism that we're going to get because we just got done saying, oh, God. Um, you know, we're really concerned about Shady not doing what Shady can do. But that's not necessarily the case because I think both of us said we only are concerned because the team is going to be so bad. Uh, and if he can show or can do the same things that he's always done and that we expect him to do, he's still going to have a fantastic year. So basically, we're betting on him. We're betting on Shady coming out and being like, you can't stop me. I'm running the ball right down your throat. And you can't stop me. And that's kind of what we're hoping on and we're praying on because if he could even be uh, remotely close to how good he was last year, I would be very happy with him uh, kind of leading our running back stable at this point. Yeah, so as you guys can see, we went from a team of hot garbage and through some shrewd trades and just seeing how our team progressed last year, we decided to go for it. We're basically sacrificing this draft this year. We only have a third round, fourth round. I believe we go to fifth round pick. So nothing that I believe is going to help us now. We're going into it as one of what I believe is the top three teams in this entire league. We're going for the championship this year if it all pans out. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I think both you and I said, why not give it a shot? Why not give it a try? Uh, there is the opportunity there. Uh, and there are some teams in that, uh, you know, there are a couple teams that I'm concerned about playing because there are some monster teams in this league. Uh, some guys did some some amazing things to be able to, to pick the, uh, the teams that they have and draft the way that they did. Uh, and have the receivers that they have and still have the pick that they're going to get this year, Rob. But at the same time, <laughs> uh, I like our shot. I like I like our chances. Uh, but I think the one thing you and I both agreed on is we're not trading any picks for the next year. Like it, the picks are ours. Uh, we're not trading them. There's not going to be anything that is going to convince us otherwise. Uh, well, until we get some kind of crazy offer that makes sense, then I think you and I will probably have to think about it. But uh, yeah, we're all in. I hope everybody knows that. If you're if you're listening from the uh, Dynasty League, we're all in this year. We're trying to go for that championship. We're trying to unseat the king. Yeah. So let's let me go over just who we have in our starting lineup. Okay. Um, so our starting lineup is Russell Wilson, Christian McCaffrey, LaShawn McCoy, Brandon Cooks, AJ Green, Tyreek Hill, Jimmy Graham, Derrick Henry, and the Rams DST. Some key reserves: uh, Andy Dalton's our backup, uh, Martavis Bryant, Pierre Garcon, Richard Matthews. 
Uh, and Terrell Pryor is our key reserves at the wide receiver position. Uh, really like Pierre as a possible flex this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of our key running backs, uh, uh, Jamal Williams from the Green Bay Packers, Marshawn Lynch, and C.J. Anderson. I, I like his value going to Carolina as sort of that Jonathan Stewart role um, yep. going into next year. So I think we've got a... St- <laughs> I think we've got a hell of a starting lineup with some nice depth and bye week fill-ins uh, on our reserves. Yep, I agree with you. I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, this kind of plays out this year for us. Barring injury, I really like our chances. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that we can kind of make this uh, playoff championship push worthwhile this year, Bob. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, uh, uh, you know, I think we'll be back in the playoffs. I'd like to see us make a deep run in the playoffs and, and go for a title this year and see if we made the right moves. All right, everybody. We told you we had a very special guest, our first ever guest, the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast, the three time, three time, three time da- Dynasty League champion. Welcome to the show, Craig Fisher. What's going on, Craig? Hey guys, it's an honor to be the first guest on the Not Takes Podcast, long-time listener, first-time caller, so let's do this. <laughs> Thanks. Good to hear you, Craig. <laughs> yeah, so Hey Dan. So yeah, we're we're so privileged to have Craig. He's been one of the guys that has been a a champion for our podcast, so we greatly appreciate that. He's spread the word. He's contributed uh, on our Instagram and Twitter feeds, and he's really tried to spread the word. And it just was perfect timing to bring him on, being that he's been so uh, dominant in the Dynasty League that we talked about earlier in the uh, podcast. We wanted to bring Craig on and share his insights. So, Craig, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody how long long have you been in the dynasty league that we're referring to because we've only been in for one year now yeah well first of all it's super fan so let's just make sure we get that out of the way first but <laughs> super fan craig touche <laughs> no i've been in the dynasty league going on this would be my fourth year coming in um first ever time doing dynasty i mean another dynasty league that'll be in my third year uh which dan you're also part of as well um but no the fourth year of the, of the dynasty league going going well i also have to give a shout out to you know rob jeff capiola and oak uh, they're the leaders of the league they do a great job so yeah, we we uh, called out Rob for his fun trade offers as well. So Rob, <laughs> all Kramer brothers, great job on the league. We we really have a lot of fun with this league. Yeah, it's a great. It's great. It's definitely something that I've enjoyed. Uh, it just adds a new kind of uh, skill to my fantasy portfolio. So uh, it's a lot of fun. So I, I definitely appreciate the invite, and I think Bob and I have both loved being a part of this league for at least the last year, and looking forward to being part of it in the years to come. Oh no, we're excited to have you guys. Everything's been really great. You know, been some new blood in there. Well, I think right now we're pretty set. I don't think we're gonna have any major movement in the next couple uh, years because I think everyone's pretty happy with how things are going. That being said, we did bring someone new in just what last week. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but that's something you know, everything new and different. You know, things come and go. But you know, the league's been kind of interesting since the get go because it was one of the first times I did a live draft with this league. We oh, did wow. actually at, at a bar. Then uh, we were all doing it online. No, I'm not like the you know the boards we do with the other league, because as as everyone knows, I'm also part of the league of record as well now. Sure. But yeah, no, it was a lot of fun to do that. And the first time everyone everyone got together, and I will bring in this number one rule to all the kids up there: don't draft drunk. It does <laughs> not help you. It didn't go badly for you this time. Well, that's true, Dan. But you know, sometimes you know 
that's the one in a million light shot there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, Dan, I'm going to go ahead and we'll start asking Craig some questions uh, targeted to Dynasty, get his insight, because like I said, he's three years running as the champion, so he obviously knows what he's doing. <laughs> so, Craig, uh, how did you, when you originally came into the league, you were there pretty much from the beginning. How did mm-hmm. you originally construct your team, and what was your mentality going into uh, your first time in the Dynasty League? When I when I came in, yeah, doing only doing redraft leagues from the get go, um, and you know, actually running a league, I didn't know what dynasty was, so I had to do some research on this. So the draft was very interesting because I know that my first pick overall that year was Odell Beckham. So that was three years ago. You know, he was coming up hot streaks. He was doing great, and I think my third pick, I want to say, was Todd Gurley. <laughs> And wow. then so that that was a first year rookie out out, out of the get go, um, and the first year I kind of strung some things together and things went well. But my mentality was kind of look at people who I went middle of the road. I went some I need some starters. I need some future. And that's how I kind of like crafted it together. And then, um, then I, I think the first year I strung wins together. And then so by the end it was kind of saying I have an option. To, I have an opportunity to win. Let's go for it now. And you know, you kind of laid it on the table. Did some did some trades. The number one thing with the dynasty league is you you got to work with your league. There's no other chance. You have to work with the with the teams you have uh, because it's not just like dropping on in a redraft league. You have to bring. You have to work together. Did. Uh from what you recall doing that first draft was there many rookies going off the board because i mean when you start the dynasty league obviously the entire uh, pool of players is available to you uh but was there many rookies that kind of was it a typical redraft draft on, or were there some rookie running backs that were going early because of the dynasty aspect of things i don't think there was as many you know like if we we're doing dynasty league, league this year i could see the entire 2017 2018 draft classes going very early I think a few years ago it wasn't as prevalent. I think you did have more people picking up some veterans and younger veterans, I'll say, like sure. you know, a couple years in the league. People, I actually, well, you know, when we were talking about doing this interview, I actually went and tried to back and try to find the draft board or the results from that league. I couldn't find it, but I was very interested because I wanted to see where I put people together because we now that we've we've done this for so many years, it's kind of insi- insinuous. Like we've all like had the same players. At one point, I've had Julio, AJ Green. Mike Evans and Odell Beckham on one team. That was wow. my team year two. Wow. So, you can, but then I, I had nothing left in the hopper. Like I had no futures left. It was gone. Sure. So I mortgaged the franchise for for three years, and now I'm, I'm probably going to be starting to do some rebuilding this year. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. d- hey, Dan, do you mind if I jump in because I know we sure. covered this before we did the interview. Craig, you made a great point, and I think this is something that Dan and I took the mentality of doing this year after we had a surprising year one for what our team was is you said you know you you strung some things together and then you went into hey i think i can win let's go for it right now is that your mentality every year going into i know you said you had to rebuild but i think that's where a lot of people may have jumped on our backs a little bit about some of the we basically gave up our our heart of our draft to try and win mm-hmm. now with the trades that we made what, what is your mentality when it comes to that are you more of a try and win now or try and plan for the future and go that route yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, well, the fun thing I have going for me right now is I can play for the next 15 years free. So that's that, that I, I have that going for me. But no, uh, what I um, what I do I know about that is if you ha- if you see an option, go for it. I'd say because as we know how hard a redraft league is to win year by year, 
a dynasty is twice as hard. So if you have if it's if it's on the table, go for it. Because I mean, if you go for broke and you miss, you're probably going to solve some players, but you're going to have to do some work to get get something back. Also, you can sell. You can sell high. That's the best thing I I've, I think we've seen in the league is when people can put a player out there who's on a pedestal and get a mint for him, or you sell someone at their complete bottom and you lose them. So. Is there was there ever a time I guess in the first three years that you were playing in this league that you were kind of saying going into the season, uh, you know, this year I'm going to try to build, I'm going to kind of pull back a little bit, but then as kind of games played out and maybe some players hit who you didn't expect to hit, you said nope, it's it's prime time, I'm going all in, and obviously it's worked out for you. So was yeah. there ever a time within the last three years that, that was kind of your approach changed throughout the season just based upon how the games played out and how maybe injuries or kind of players hit for you. Yeah. No, this last year was probably the year I was thinking I should probably, you know, start thinking about the future. Um, but then wins start stringing together and I kind of I get into my mentality like, well, here it is again. Let's let's take a, take a run at it. Because in my first two years, I think I lost a total of three games. Wow. And Damn. I, I, I don't know if that record's exact accurate, but I think it's it's pretty I know I know I lost to the Kramer brothers once each, and then I think maybe Manchester beat me like you know, I don't think it's a, a heavy uh, hit parade because I know everyone's gunning for me. But um the the records so you know, I was kinda not used to losing, so at that point I kinda <laughs> was ready to go, which I know it sounds pie you know, all on my pedestal here, but um, Hey, whenever you're the champ, I mean I don't have a problem with you uh, acting like you're the champ. That's just the way it is. <laughs> no, but yeah, that was the that was the thing I noticed was that you have to kind of look at your team, see what you have and you got to win when you can win. I mean, you can't, honestly, end of the season, can't hold anything back. <laughs> can't hold anything back now. <laughs> I know. Well, here's the other thing is that I think this year you kind of, I can see kind of now that I'm talking to you about it, you can see where that approach kind of came into play, seeing as you got rid of one of probably your big-time dynasty pieces to try to get some players mm-hmm. that were going to be able to push you ahead into the playoffs this year. Yeah, you know, this past year I um, got rid of um, Todd Gurley and Odell Beckham, which I know, you know, new to dynasty. What are you controversial, Bob? <laughs> well, we wanted Odell Beckham, so we were a little upset when we didn't get him. But <laughs> no, yeah, um, I worked out a trade with Scott and got some picks, which I wanted because I, you know, last year with the Cream Hunt, Ken, uh, Kenyon Drake, you know, years, um, Alvin Kamara, Kamara, yeah, all the big hitters now that are going to be. RB ones for sure this year, uh, kind of got got on me that I don't have depth, and I never did. And actually, that was the thing I've I have I've lacked since the beginning. I've never got hit with an injury bug except for Odell Beckham last year, and I still won. So I've I've maintained pretty good health, which you know I gotta say a lot of that's luck. I, you know there uh, some some movements, but a lot on luck. But yeah, getting rid of Gurley at the time, I got rid of him for uh, Demarco Murray and um, blah blah blah, a bunch of pieces, and I gave him I believe uh, Bob, your exact quote was, "Do you ha- can I give garbage away for?" A starter. <laughs> I think thank, that was the exact quote. Thank you for the call out. I appreciate that. <laughs> and it was, everyone at the time, everyone thought I ripped the guy off because I, I knew he wanted Gurley. He, Gurley was showing no signs of nothing. Then all of a sudden, look what happens. The right. offense coordinator changes in L.A. He is now what ranked as the number one dynasty player going forward, maybe. 
I think in, he's he is, I guess, kind of interchangeable with Le'Veon Bell there at the number one RB1 spot. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of one of those trades that I think immediately everybody was like, oh, what is he doing? Why is he doing that on both sides? People were saying, why are you giving up Gurley? And then at the same time, people were like, oh, my God, why is he trading for Gurley? And it just kind of worked out perfectly for both of you, which was, a, you know, a lucky break for you and a lucky break for him, too. The funny story was during the original the original dynasty draft, I accidentally let my counter go past the time and it auto drafted for me. And I think I drafted Eli Manning in the fourth or fifth overall. <laughs> and I I was I was severely annoyed and I was kind of thought it was a conspiracy. I was all, you know, I had a few pops, so don't, you know, <laughs> had a few shot names, what of it? Um, so I, I wasn't really happy, but you know, I, I strung, uh, um, them together and my rock is my, is Travis Kelsey. He's been, been with me since the beginning and he actually has won me championships. Wow. Yeah, Craig, bringing up the it sounded like the old GM from the Minnesota Vikings just skipping the draft pick and just getting skipped and then auto drafted. So I did not know that story. That's pretty good. Yeah, that one hurt. That one, yeah, I had a I had a you know young quarterback in the fourth round of a rookie of a rookie dynasty draft with you know or excuse me a starting dynasty draft where there is still a multitude of running backs and what receivers on the board yeah. right great so so Craig, i want to segue to a point that i had written down here that you you touch base on with your girly trade is how do you approach trades in this league because dan and i shared our story is you know we were lucky to inherit a team that had draft capital built into it they, there was a crap team but we were able to draft young enough pieces try and flip those in this past year we flipped draft equity first round and a, you know, a young, promising running back in Joe Mixon to try and get two established elite, possibly towards the end of the road, but we're on a win-now mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So how do you approach trades in this league normally? I've been, you know, that's actually a good point. I've been working with some teams lately for to think about that idea because I've been trying to change it up because with my win-now mentality, I wanted... I wanted bangers that could hit, you know, could score points for me right away. I didn't think a lot about the future, but as, you know, I have the privilege now to think about the future because, you know, it's not going to last. It's, you know, it's literally going to probably end this year. But um, I would say that I'm going to start to think more about long-term investments and bringing some people up, building depth. Um, that's how I'm, uh, I'm now approaching. I will say in the first couple of years, I was just uh, kind of blocking and tackling, going for people just uh, as as much as I needed them. And I would offer up, I think my first year I offered up, I went I went like real money ball style on this or kind of I went, I offered like picks for this year, next year, and the following year. Yeah. So wow. I was really, you know, going GM style of, I went Cleveland Brown style. I just threw everything out there in, in the kitchen sink. So whatever stuck. How do you feel about giving up those picks? I mean, do you, I mean, to me, I'm a, I'm fine with giving up the picks as long as the value's there. But sometimes I feel like people are just doing like, yeah, I'll just give you picks. You know, do, do you feel like they they are undervalued in terms of a trade commodity? I think when you first start Dynasty League, you don't get it. You don't see a pick is just, oh, it's, you know, it's a pick next year. Then you see a Kareem Hunt. Then you see a Senquin Barkley. You see these these people coming up, Kamara, Mixon, the you know, I'm running backs from last year. 
that's what you're all of a sudden seeing a value of a pick. So right. a first round pick could be an RB one, could be most likely receivers seem like they're taking two to three years to come up to to you know to capital, but those young running backs are now like kind of mimicking the Le'Veon Bell style of you know pass out the backfield, uh, escape hatch with a tight end. You're seeing those that they're repeating that in the NFL. So you're going to see that happen. You're going to see that commodity. You're going to see those high performers coming through. So I think when we first started, people were throwing picks around like it was, it was just it was kind of something fun to say like oh I'll give you a pick for next year. Now you're seeing that 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 pick has value. You need to actually right. put commodity to that. Because now if I'm offering you a Odell Beckham, I need a first round pick. I need multiple first round picks because right. I'm giving up a big chunk. Yeah, they, Dan, I, I, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point, Bob. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a big difference between seeing pick in the first round than seeing uh, someone's name like Sanquan Barkley or something like that. Yeah, hey, Dan, and I want to jump in because I, I think we learned our lesson. You know, we still have hope for Martavis, but I, I think we probably could have made the trade last year of Mike Williams straight up on potential and not give up that second round pick because yeah. we could hit on a young wide receiver that we could put on our bench spot or as we've talked about, we have really no tight end depth and we could have made the leap and committed to like Mike Kosicki and got him early second mm-hmm. round. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's just lessons learned that like Craig brought up that you just don't get until I think you go through it once and say, okay, we made this move last year. How are the consequences based on what we're seeing this year? So you really have to find mm-hmm. that, that balance when you're making trade offers. That's why we went back and forth with Rob so much about Joe Mixon. We were just not going <laughs> to give up draft equity to, to get him when we knew the right. player had enough promise himself. Sure. And then the other thing you start to see is like, you know, my first year I had, I think I had a second round pick and that turned into Michael Thomas and who right now is one of my number one receivers. And I got him on this in a second round because I looked at he's six, five and ran a four something 40. He's going to play for the saints. Okay. He's going to be good. And he, you know, he, he took a year, didn't work out. I had him on my bench. Then all of a sudden, I had him, I had him ready and stocked for the playoffs. And all of a sudden, this young rookie comes out, also helps me win year two, Michael Thomas. And now he's the number one guy in mm-hmm. New Orleans. Yeah. So, so what? How much research? How much time are you putting into, uh, like the draft and stuff like that to try to find kind of. I would say that's a it's a crazy find. Like I didn't know that you got Michael Thomas in the second round of a dynasty draft, because uh, geez, he's a potential top ten wide receiver. I see him getting taken in the second round pretty much in draft uh, positions now. Uh, so like, what kind of things do you do to try to find on maybe one of those sleeper mm-hmm. picks that not a lot of people come come across? Well, yeah, and that was the same year that Treadwell was the number one overall going going out of the draft, and we're woof. Well, yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> um, but no, so what I've been, you know, probably more than my wife would like to, would care to know is, uh, yeah, I'm looking at, um, you know, uh, combine stuff, looking at height, looking at speed, you're looking at the, actually the, the, the number one stat I've been seeing recently is that is a, is a, um, 10 yard sprint for a running back and receiver. The ones that have the highest percentage of that have been going in the first round and turned to RB ones and WR ones. So, Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's do you, that's do you some great watch insight. Any of that? Do you actually watch any of that draft? Like, are you no, DVR? Bring no. it. No. no, 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 no. I'm, just, I, 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 this just is pure. At, I, just crunching numbers later. 
statistics is really what, I, what I've found interesting with fantasy football is, and it's also you know l- listening to people do fantasy baseball and you know DraftKings and the daily you know daily fantasy stuff. You can really learn a lot from pure statistics of of sports. Like baseball is one of the highest ones, but like NFL has a lot of crazy statistics, like yak and all these crazy different catching things. So that's what I've been looking at a lot: the statistics on players and who pans out. Ten yard run, Bob. Do you ever think of that one? <laughs> no, because I'm the slowest human being on earth. So a ten yard run is like multiple minutes for me. <laughs> I don't remember my source from Twitter, but I would cite them if they if if. Uh, but I remember reading that somewhere, and that was it was like the percentage of that is somewhere. But I will gladly share that with the listeners. Yeah, man. We're. I mean, that was going to be my next question. Dan and I shared a lot of our sources on uh, episode one because our thought is if we're going to make this a worthwhile podcast, you know, we're going to share. So, I mean, if you have any resources that you um, you know, recommend uh, or you've been using, if you want to share those with the listeners, give them some insights from the mind of a champion, that would be awesome. Yeah, and um, I think one that I, I I would care to share that uh, you turned me on was the Fancy Footballers, you know, at fancyfootballers.com. Uh, I love listening to their, their daily podcast. So, uh, especially during the season, a lot of information like that. Fancy Pros is great. Uh, Roto World is great for daily stuff. Um, Twitter. You know, a lot of stuff with, you know, you know, uh, especially day of stuff. Twitter is great for catching up on, you know, who's starting, who's not, you know, conditions, stuff like that. So uh, following the team and any, any of the beat writers for the team, you know, as, as you guys said, you're homers for the Steelers. I am as well. I think I have every Steelers beat writer on there. So if someone's not playing, I'll kind of know. Shout out Ed Bouchette. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, hey. my <laughs> I mean, I, I also think that, uh, to your point, Craig, that those local beat writers who are following the team, uh, I know that in doing my prep for the first Dynasty draft that we did, I tried to look at that. Uh, mm-hmm. I tried to look as much as much like locally sourced NFL information as I could get because those guys are the ones who are at camp. Those are the guys who are actually there watching uh, the team progress, how they're using a guy, and they're hearing the coaches talk about uh, the potential that this guy has uh, to have some impact on the team this year. So I think that's a great that's a great source. I loved it. I use it all the time myself. So, Dan, I want to get one more question to Craig before we wrap things up here. And once mm-hmm. again, thank you so much for joining us and being our first guest and, oh, my and pleasure. tying in perfectly with our Dynasty discussion. So with your mentality switching this year and going to uh, think for the future type approach, just give us your expectations going into this year. If it's the draft, the entire year, what are you looking for this year besides a fourth championship, of course? <laughs> fourth championship would be great. You know, obviously I want all five rings to fill my hand. Uh, but but no, I, I'm looking forward to a lot of the draft this year. I've been doing a lot of talk with some other teams about you know what's out there, maybe moving some picks around. I will say at one point there was a, an option on the table for me to get the number one overall pick, but the value wasn't there for me. You know, I, I would say you know that's cut, you know, that's kind of peeking behind the curtain there. Good old Robbie uh, Kramer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, I don't think we really could you know could agree on some stuff. Um, but no, I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, be very interesting. 
Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, the nice thing I, I've noticed this year is the football IQ with the, the, the league has gone up exp- exponentially every year. Uh, there's no longer you can kind of pull the wool over everyone's eyes. You, you can't really get away with a BS trade. You have to really kind of go in there with some, you know, some credentials, some knowledge. And I think everyone can talk it out. And I think that's what ends up happening is you have to have a talk out. You have to have like a sit down to get your get a trade done. Yeah, man. And once again, Dan, I'll speak for you. I'll let you get in a word to end it. But Craig, I want to thank you for joining us and sharing your insights on Dynasty League fantasy football. Dan, do you have anything else you want to add before we go ahead and yeah. end the interview? Yeah, well, I want to thank uh, my buddy Craig for coming on. But can I ask him one more question? Yeah, uh, go for it. Cr- Craig, as the mm-hmm. champ, outside of uh, who I, I think we both agree is the consensus consensus number one pick, Saquon Barkley, yeah. uh, throw me out a maybe a running back and receiver that you think are going to kind of have big years and maybe surprise, maybe surprise some listeners here. I'm liking A.J. Moore right now. Um, and, and I'm also liking um, uh, Freeman. Royce Freeman from Denver. Oh. Oh, call back to the mock draft last week, Dan. That's right. Ah. That's right. Yep. They're looking they're looking pretty good, but I'm uh, you know, but then I also think there's some sleepers in the deeper rounds that actually have some uh good uh or as you guys call it Greg values in, in the in the later in the later uh, rounds. Well thanks, Craig. <laughs> awesome. And that once again closes our interview with Craig, our Dynasty League three time champion. Thank you again, Craig, for joining the show and we look forward to seeing you at the draft this weekend. Thanks. I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Thanks, champ. Once again, thank you to Craig Fisher, our first interview ever uh, to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast, sharing some great insight uh, on his dynasty dominance. Uh, really appreciate yeah. it, and we look forward to seeing you at the draft, Craig. A uh, little pregame at Nooch's beforehand. Thanks, Craig. So, once again, look for our poll at not takes ff on twitter and instagram that's n-o-t-t-a-k-e-s-f-f twitter and instagram our poll next week is going to be simple for the people that play in dynasty leagues it's really how do you manage your team do you like going with heavy rookies and hoping they pan out and you've got a young team that could produce now and down the road or you like what we did this year and you're going for it right now so make sure to check that out at not takes ff on twitter i'll even put it up on instagram at not takes ff and we really want to see the discussion because I, I there's different ways to attack this and i think personally some people sacrifice the chance to win now for the long-term success it could put us in a hindrance you know if 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 our team gets old in certain places but I, i'm ready to go for it i'd rather try and jump while the uh, while the chance is there yep uh jump all the iron is hot bob i mean that's kind of what we're looking for this year and i agree with you i I think there are a lot of people who are just going to say well uh who are playing just based on potential what's the potential of my team what's the potential of my team you know what what i think we focus on is are we going to be able to win this week not three or four years down the line uh so that's kind of where our heads at or i think are there where our heads are at this year um, but there are a couple people, uh, especially in the league that we play in, who, who have been done a masterful job of managing a roster. So we'll see. Uh, we're still new to the Dynasty League, uh, so I'm very excited to kind of see how people uh, answer this poll and maybe give us any kind of advice that maybe we haven't thought of because uh, we're still learning this league as well. So uh, help us out, guys. 
feel free to email us nottakesff at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, or any suggestions that maybe you want to see down the road on the show. Remember to visit us, anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash nottakesff. You can listen to our podcast there and see everywhere our podcast is available. And I know, Dan, I shared some great news with you a couple days ago. We're now on Spotify. So I'm a big Spotify user, big fan. And pretty much now, we're everywhere that you can get your podcast. So please look for us. I mean, we really appreciate it. And for the people that do listen on Anchor... You have the ability to leave us voice messages with questions, feedback, comment. We can integrate those right into our show. So go ahead and find us. And if you're on Anchor, we'd love to put some questions live onto the podcast that we review uh, and, and topics that we cover. We can always use it in our review segment to begin. And last but not least, especially on Apple Podcasts, Please rate and review our show. Five-star ratings and reviews really help us in the rankings and searches. Like I said, we're pretty much everywhere now, so you can find us on any of the major podcasting platforms. And Dan, why don't you give a shout-out to your brother for that awesome intro before we head out? Well, yeah, this is Tom Almas, the intro. Uh, brother produced, performed all the music and instruments and all that good stuff, and uh, can't say enough about how great it sounds. Fit us both perfectly, and uh, thank you so much, my man, for letting us use it. Appreciate it. All right, guys. And look for us next week when we're going to do something fun. We're going to go over blind resumes and we're going to talk about some players just stat-based alone. And there's some disparity in their draft positioning. After we go through these rankings, does it change your mind on anything? So until I'm then... I'm excited for that. Yeah. Until then, man, we're going to we're gonna see you guys next week for the blind resume. Appreciate you listening to the Dynasty discussion. And we'll catch you next Sunday night, Monday morning with another Not Takes Fantasy Football podcast. Later. Later, Dan. Later, boy.